0: So today, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 28 through 63. And this is a time in which uh, another dedication service was happening. This is when King Solomon had finished building the temple that had begun to be prepared by, by King David, right? David wanted to build the temple, but he was told that he couldn't build the temple because it was something that was for another time. But that what the Lord was going to allow him to do was he was going to allow him to actually save and set aside the resources that were going to be needed. And David put himself diligently to that task. And so he was told, um, you can't build this temple, but it's good that it was in your heart to do this. And maybe that's, that's just even a point right there. Sometimes there is a, something that you want to do and the Lord is moving on your heart. And you feel like this is it. This is what God wants me to do. And yet it never quite happens. And it just seems like it's in your heart to do it, but it doesn't take place. Well, listen, there are people in the scriptures who felt like that. And David being one of them. But David was told it was good that it was in your heart. And so those things, those dreams, those goals, those visions you have for the Lord, whether or not they ever are realized by you doing them, Understand when the Lord looks down on you and he sees what's in your heart for the church, for the people that need to come to know the Lord, and maybe you don't actually get to do that, but it's in your heart, the Lord says, I love your heart. I love what's in your heart. And that's how this this story began. But let's pray and ask for the Lord to just speak to our hearts as we go through this. Father, we want to come to your word. We want to hear from you. We want to be encouraged by you. We want to be challenged by you. And, Lord, it's our prayer that we will remain focused as we move forward. Thank you for the 25 years that we've had and what you've done. But, Lord, we don't rest in that. We just celebrate that. We worship you. We thank you for that. But, Lord, we want to move forward. And we want to do even more for your name and for your glory. So put things in our heart to do them, Lord. And may you minister to us as we give back to you this morning in praise and worship and service And giving. May you be honored, may you be glorified. Amen. Let's read there in 1 Kings chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. And we're going to read this section down to verse 23. Yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day. "...toward the place of which you said, My name shall be there, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath... And comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple. Then hear, in heaven, and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his own head, on his head, and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. When your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they've sinned against you, and when they turn, uh, when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray in supplication to you in this temple then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, When they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land in which you have given to your people as an inheritance. When there is famine in the land, pestilence, or blight, or mildew, or locusts, or grasshoppers, when their enemies besieges them in their land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone, or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hand toward this temple, then hear in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive, and act, and give according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to your fathers. Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country for your namesake, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. And when he comes and prays toward this temple here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all which the foreigner calls to you, that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. Well, this is not the temple, the building, but we are the temple. And we have a name upon us. We are called by the name of Jesus Christ. We are the people of the Lord. And we are the the place where the Lord dwells. And Solomon simply says, hear our prayers. And that is our cry this morning. Lord, hear our prayers that go up from this place to you. When people come in with broken families, when people come in with broken lives, when there's sickness, when there's uh, just pain and emotional damage, Lord, we pray, would you hear and would you heal from this place? That temple was built and the Lord's glory rested in that place. We are the temple. Collectively together, each of us are living stones that have been fit together. And the Spirit of the Lord dwells within us, the house of the Lord, wherever the house may go. We're in this location right now. And so the Spirit of the Lord is there. A couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. The plural you. Which we are. We are the dwelling place of God. Or 1 Peter 2, 5. You also. As living stones, you think of the stones of the temple that Solomon had quarried and put in place and built. But he says in Peter, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God Through Jesus Christ. So no, this is not the temple like the temple of the Old Testament. But you are the temple individually and collectively we are the temple of God. And he dwells within us and we want his presence to be in this place. And that when we pray and we are exhorted or when we pray and ask for the Lord to work and move. We want, as we read here in verses 28 through 43, hear our prayers. That's what needs to happen here. That is the most, one of the most fundamental truths that we could um, want to see take place. Solomon asked the Lord to hear prayers of repentance and restoration. Prayers when there is national distress, would you hear? He wants them to hear when foreigners, people who don't know God, that would enter into that house and they would call upon the Lord. He says, oh Lord, we pray that you would hear their prayers too. And so we want this to be that place as well. We have desired for years, and if you've been here, this is not a new saying for you, but we don't simply want to be a church that, that, that prays. We want to be what? A praying church. Every church prays, and I'm not wanting to compare ourselves to another church. It's not a competition. <clears throat> There's only one church. But, you know, we don't want to just be a church that prays. We want it to be a praying church. In other words, that's the habit. That's what we do. That's just where we turn. That's our default mechanism is to turn to God and call upon Him and to pray to Him. What was it that Jesus saw when He went to the temple in Israel? Remember? A couple of times He went there and He was very unhappy with what He saw in the temple. And when He went there... And we look at this in Mark chapter 11. I think it's Mark 11, verse 17. And he sees the corruption. He sees the money changing that's going on. And what does he say? He says, my house. It is written. Isaiah said, my house shall be called what? What is it? A house of prayer. And and what we read there in uh, 1 Peter is that we are a spiritual house. And this house, collectively, Calvary Chapel Lynchburg, we should be a place that, that's praying, a house of prayer. This is a place that whatever else happens, you know that prayer happens there. You know it's a place where people are petitioning. And, and I would ask you, and many of you have been so faithful over the years, and I would just ask that all of you, as we are able to start resuming our regular services, that we, we would flood this place on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and to pray and to seek the heart of the Lord. You're not coming to a concert. You're not coming to a speech. You're coming to encounter your God who says, I will be in your midst and I will walk among you. And we should have an expectation. If God wants his house to be a house of prayer, then it just it's a given that he wants to answer Our prayers and to seek after Him. Well, I've prayed a long time. Keep on praying. Well, what's the point of praying? The Lord knows what I want already. I don't know, but He said, knowing what you need to come and ask of Him. And so let's petition Him. Let's be zealous in our pursuit of Him. And maybe even today, you have a deep prayer need in your life. Maybe it's emotional, maybe it's physical. We certainly as a nation need to be praying for a healing to take place. A revival to begin in the church and an awakening to happen in the world. Before you leave, make it a point of prayer to call upon God. Prayer is not church guys coming up with an idea to figure out a way to get you in here. It's your maker. It's your savior. It's your redeemer who said, come to me and ask. Ask whatever you will, you will, and I will do it. That promise is so broad, it makes a lot of us a little nervous, doesn't it, if we're honest? Whatever things you ask in my name, I will do it. And we're like, whoa, 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 Jesus. Don't be so wide open with that. But that's his prayer. But you know who he said it to, right? Who did Jesus say, ask whatever you will, and I will do it for you? Who said that? Who did he say that to? The disciples, Who were the disciples? These were the guys who laid down their life for the cause of the gospel. These are the guys that had laid down their nets. These are the guys that did not love their families more than the kingdom and the call of the Lord upon their life. So he said, you guys, ask whatever you want. I know where you're going. I know what your motives are. I know what your heart is. You want what I want. So ask whatever you will. So for us to come in alignment with the Lord in this place, through the teaching of the Word of God, it helps us to know how we ought to pray. So that's point number one in that section, is that Solomon wants the Lord to hear prayers. And Lord, we ask, would you hear our prayers? In verses 54 through 56, if you just skip on down with me to those verses, we're still there in 1 Kings chapter 8. Solomon just looks back. He hearkens back on what the Lord has done. It says, And so it was when Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord that he arose before the altar of the Lord, Yahweh, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. He kneeled out of submission to God. He raised his hands out of worship and a declaration, Oh, we need you. Then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. They had seen them come out of the land of Egypt. They had wandered through the wilderness. They had dealt with giants. They had dealt with all kinds of, you know, the Canaanites and the Parasites, And all of these, you know, um, ites came after them. And the Lord delivered them. And he says, wow, look what the Lord has done. And in Solomon's day, there was a rest that came upon the kingdom that had not been seen. And he acknowledges that. And he says, wow, Lord, thank you. You are faithful to your promises. And that is a true word in any context, in any need, in any word that the Lord has spoken. The Lord is always faithful to his promises. That does not mean that the Lord is going to be faithful on your time schedule. Can I get an amen? We got in here not on the time schedule that we thought we would, right? What we planned for, but but on the Lord's side, the Lord's not surprised by this date. He knew it. He knew when we'd be in here. And that's, that's, that's a small thing. But there are things that are more significant in your life that you're waiting and you're praying, and it's a promise that you've heard from the Lord and what He said he's going to do, and you're like, is it going to happen? Oh, the Lord will be faithful. The Lord cannot lie. He can, if he is not faithful to his word, then he's not true to his character. And God's character is trustworthy, and he is true. The Lord is faithful. You can count on it. One story that has meant more to me over the last couple of years through this whole process of thinking about buying this building, buying this building, selling that one, and the whole building process. One thing that has meant more to me, and I've gotten more comfort out of, and I've shared this before than any other place in Scripture, is when the Lord said to his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they got out halfway, and the storm was about to overwhelm them. And they were fearing for their life. And the Lord came to them, walking on the water, he says, "Don't be afraid. I'm with you." There, there are times, and I'm not going to go through the details. You can, I've shared them before, but you can just know there were times through this process. Well, I was like, "Lord, I," you know, a news would come in, or a report would come in, or something would take place, and I would just be like, "Oh my gosh, I have just made like the worst mistake." of my life by stepping out and doing this. What was I thinking? And there would be like these waves of panic that would come over. And I, and I would just be, oh, Lord. And I'm just like, wait a minute, Lord. We prayed, we sought you for years, we sought the Lord, about what this place would be. I, you know, the process of selling our facility happened as another church came. It ended up being a different church, but another pastor came and said, hey, we want to buy your building. You know what my answer to him was? no. We're not selling, but we ended up selling. And then right after that was asked, the owner of this facility came and said, hey, would you, why don't you buy our, our facility? I said, we can't do that. We, we, we don't have enough money to do that. He goes, well, I think you do. He goes, why don't, you, why don't we, we sit down and, and meet? And so we sat down and a lot of long, hard negotiations, working the process out, and the Lord has been so faithful to us. The Lord has been so good to us. And, and he put this in our heart. The elders, we fasted, we prayed, we met, we sought the Lord. The staff, we talked, we prayed. We sought the Lord. What do you want? But I can tell you, in the midst of that journey, there were times where I was like, oh, why did you start this process? Why did you? You could have just stayed over there and just had a crowded parking lot, and that would have been fine and I just, there were times, I'm telling you, there were times where I got up out of the room and I said, if you're going to do this, then I'm walking out and this deal is off. And he said, okay. And I got up and I walked out. Not once, multiple times. That took place. I was like, all right, we'll walk away. And, and then before the Lord, I would say, all right, Lord, we're done with that. Whew. And he's like, you're not done. I'm like, come on, Lord. I'm tired of this. I'm, this, is, this is too tough. And he just said, Be faithful. Just stand fast. And the Lord saw us through. But it was that account of the Lord being faithful to the disciples saying, go to the other side. And I felt like he said, go to the other side. And in the middle of it, there were times where I I was like, I don't know. And I'm just sharing this so you can take it and apply it to your own life. What is it that God has said, I'm going to do this? This is what I have for you. And maybe you are out there, you know, you're stepped out, and you're like made yourself vulnerable. And that's how I felt. I mean, you guys are a loving group of people, you really are. I am so blessed to be able to pastor here. I am so blessed to, to, to interact with you. You've been gracious, you've been kind all these years. And if you remember when I first announced it and we were doing this, You know, something that I said was, I said, listen, we're stepping out. I said, and either this is going to be very exciting or this will be the biggest mistake I've ever made in ministry. I don't know if does anybody remember when I said that? And I don't know if Wendy Posey's here, but Wendy and Frank um, came to me. Wendy came up and she says, if you make a mistake, we all make a mistake with you. And she gave me a big kiss on the cheek. And I have remembered that. And that meant so much to me to know and I know she was speaking for, for, for you all that that was the heart of this fellowship. Because, you know, here's the deal. Walking in faith is not a fact. What do we like to call it? A strong maybe. That's what faith is. Like, like Jonathan in his armor bearer. When he says, hey, let's go take on the Philistines, just me and you. And he says, it may be that the Lord will be with us. But, the, but the, here's the deal. Well, what if he's not with us? Well, then we're going to die. And he doesn't say that, but he said it's a, it, it may be that the Lord is going to do that. So that's why I call faith a strong maybe. You don't know for sure. Well, the Lord is calling me into ministry. I don't know for sure. Of course you don't know for sure. We're a people of faith. And so we hear from the Lord and we step out. And here's the deal. Sometimes... We hear and we do the right thing. And other times we step out and it's the wrong thing. And it's not what the Lord has led us to do. And you're like, oh, what happens then? Then we fall on our face before the Lord and we say, Lord, I made a mistake. And we throw ourselves upon the grace of God. And so wherever you are in that journey, in your faith and in your life, and maybe you've set out in a way and you feel like it's it's not happening yet and you can't see how it's going to happen, the Lord is faithful. Don't get scared and start rowing back to the shore. There are many times I tried to turn the boat around and row back to 742. We were still there, but I mean, you know, in my heart, I tried to row back, and the Lord was like, you can't do that. I'm like, come on, let me do that. Because it just, it felt, the waves seemed too big. But the Lord has been faithful in this small way, okay? In this small way. What has the Lord called you to do? Step out. Believe. Go for it. Let, let this day stand as a testimony to you that the Lord just says simple things. Yeah, go ahead and move. And then he, he stretches it out. I've shared this with you. The scope of which this building has... I, I went back through the, my notes, actually, for the first time I announced it. And what I announced in the beginning we are going to do... And what I put in phase two and phase three of this process, most of phase two is done, and a lot of phase three is done, and the Lord has provided. He is faithful. So God doesn't always give us all the information, is what I've learned. Sometimes he says, yeah, just just go to the other side. He doesn't say, oh, and by the way, there's going to be one of the worst storms you've ever experienced in your life when you get halfway out so you are fully committed and you can't turn around. He doesn't tell us that part. He just says, go. And then he shows up and he makes a way, as we just sang, right? And he he supplies and he shows himself strong on our behalf. So Solomon, as he's dedicating this, he says, the Lord is faithful. And I just want to remind you of the faithfulness of your God. He hears you. He sees you. He knows what you've prayed for. Keep on walking. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting. In verse 57 and 58, we see some of these things that he kind of resummarizes summarizes what we've read. He says, May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded our fathers. What's the point here? Here's the point. He prays that they would encounter God. And that's that's kind of how we describe what we want to do. We want to encounter God. We want to equip the saints and we want to evangelize the world. You get elements of these in his prayer. He says, Lord, may you be with us as he was with our fathers. He says, we want to know you. We want to experience you. We don't want to just have a building to come to where we go through the motions Lord, we want what Moses wanted. When the Lord said to Moses, he says, you know what? This is a stiff-necked people in the wilderness. You guys just go on your own, and um, I'm not going to go with you. And what does Moses say? If you're not going with us, we're not going. i will give you an angel. I'm not into angels. I'm into you, God. And if you don't go with us, if we don't have your presence, it's not worth the journey. It's not worth going. And the same is, can be said about this place. If we don't encounter the Lord in this place, it's not worth having this place. If we don't encounter the Lord in our prayer services, in our teaching times, in the children's ministry, in the youth, and in the college, and in the, the boomers group, or whatever we're doing, if the presence of God is not with us, then what are we doing? And so he prays, oh, Lord, be with us. Now, the Lord has promised to be with us. But we also know we can do things that will grieve his spirit and will quench his spirit. And at the top of the list is when we don't don't treat each other right. Your parents, you know, nothing can ruin the mood of a household more than your children fighting. And the Lord can't stand it when his kids fight. He wants us to walk in unity and he wants us to walk in love. We can grieve. We can quench the spirit of God. We can quench him when we're no longer open to the, to, to the working of his spirit. It's like we got this. We know how to do sermons. We know how to do you know, worship. We know how to come in and go out of the building. And we forget what Jesus said that apart from me you can do what? Nothing. That's not very much. Nothing can be done apart from me. This is what we say about encountering the Lord. We seek to encounter God through dynamic worship, diligent study of the Bible, and corporate prayer meetings. That's what we want. Just like Solomon, we want you to be with us, and we want the Lord to be with us in our worship. And we want the Lord to be with us in our study of the Word of God. And we want the Lord to be with us in our prayer meetings. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 13. This is a verse that was in my mind when we were... Uh, writing down, well, what is it that Calvary Chapel is really about? Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with, what? All your heart. The Lord said to Malachi, tell this people I'm a great God, and you don't come with a lame sacrifice, and you don't come with a, a stolen sacrifice. When you come to me to worship me, you come with everything that you have. And if you're not going to come with everything that you have, then don't come at all. I'm a great God. Try giving this stuff to your governor. Try giving this to the person that rules over, to you, over you, the lame and the broken and the defeated, and see if he'll take it. I don't want your leftovers. I want your whole heart. Jesus Emphasize this. And he says, when you seek after me, if you love your mother and your father, your brother and your sister more than me, you, listen, you are not worthy to follow after me. The principle of the Old Testament is the same principle in the New Testament. Back in the Old Testament, with David, after he had sinned and he was purchasing some land and is going to make a sacrifice, Orana said to him, he says, He goes, listen, if this is for the Lord, you can just have the land and you can just have the oxen and you can have this wood. It's yours if it's for the Lord. And David said, I'm not going to offer anything to the Lord except that which first costs me something. If it doesn't cost me anything, I'm not giving it to the Lord. He understood this principle as that when we seek God, if we want to encounter God, we come with all that we have. Now, this is what I found in my life. Some days I have more than others. Do you know what I mean by that? Some days the zeal level is higher than the others. Some days the attention span. Some days my physical strength. Some days I'm worn out. And what I have to offer the Lord is less than what I had before. So it isn't to make up and to make this some kind of uh, show. It's just whatever you have to bring, bring it all to the Lord. And he says, and when you do that, then... You're going to find me or you're going to encounter me. Can you think of anything greater than experiencing the presence of God the way the early church did? Or the way other times in your life you've, ex- you've experienced the Lord? Uh, think back on these experiences you've had with the Lord. Where in your quiet time or your prayer time or in some worship service or in a fellowship time, you were so Aware that God was there with you. It's those moments, have you ever been in those places where you, it's like you, you feel like you should physically not even move because the Lord is so present there? It's like, it's not that you can't, but it's just like, I don't, I don't want to move. Because the presence of the Lord is here. The Lord wants you to know him in that way. What Solomon says in verse 58 is that he may incline our hearts to himself. You can pray that the rest of the days of your life and for this church. May the Lord incline our hearts towards him. Maybe your heart's inclined towards something else right now. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's another person. Maybe it's some business venture. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And there's nothing wrong with many things that we can put our attention to. But if that is causing you to no longer be inclined, directed towards the Lord, then that's got to be adjusted. I'm not going to say it needs to go, but I'm definitely going to say it needs to be adjusted so that your heart is there. Because we want to encounter him. When, you, when you're getting ready on Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or any other event, I, I, would you just think about this one point We want to encounter God and then to begin to pray for your heart. You can pray for my heart. You can pray for all of our hearts. Lord, prepare us. Incline our hearts towards you. I have found when the expectation of God and experiencing him is high in my life, it's when I experience him. When I mindlessly go through the motions, it's not usually then. Sometimes he surprises me and he breaks us out of those ruts. But it's when I'm mindful, Lord, I'm going to church today because you're going to be there. And I'm going to be, and of course he's with you right where you are, but he's here in a unique way because we are the temple of the living God. We're those living stones that are put together. And So what you can experience in a gathering together with the Lord is different than what you experience with the Lord by yourself. It's fun to sit and learn the word of God together. It is wonderful to sing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs admonishing one another in this way. There's something wonderful about fellowship. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. What you can experience in the corporate gathering is different than what you can experience by yourself. Now listen, you've got to have that private experience too. I'm not diminishing that. I'm just saying coming together Is such an important thing. And we have learned well that it's not about the building. And we've learned that in a couple of ways recently, haven't we? It's not about the building. It's not about this building. It's not about the little unit down there. It's not about the building that's over there. You know, it's not about that little tiny building that's just like, you know, four-tenths of a mile that way where we first began to meet in our 1,200-square-foot meeting place. It's not about that building either. Or it's not about the gathering that was at the Palmer's house when they first started 26 years ago. It is about the gathering, it's about the people, not the location. So we get that, and may we keep that in our heart and mind. So let's, like Solomon, pray to encounter God. Let it be the expectation. Verses 59 and 60, again, kind of a, a he, he comes back and he hits this point again. And may these words of mine, which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and cause the people of Israel as each day may require. And look at verse 60, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. He wanted that place, that gathering place to be a place They didn't use the word evangelism back then, but that's what he wanted. He wanted that to be a place where people would come and experience the presence of God and realize, wow, the God of Israel isn't like any other God. He's a God that hears prayers and he answers prayers. He's a God that you can experience in the innermost part of your being. He says, this is our prayer is that the nations would hear and know. Or as Isaiah said, it's too small of a thing that it would only be the nation of Israel would believe. All the nations must come to faith. And it's so true. Now, under this new covenant, Jesus hung and died on the cross. It's not enough for just us. It must be for the whole world. So he prays for the nations to know the Lord or to evangelize. Encounter, equip, we're going to kind of go out of order, we're just following the text, but evangelize. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Go to the nations. Go to the nations This has always been our our heart from the beginning. But you know, wow, the days are different right now. Missions have been kind of come to a halt. New missions, old missions continuing on. But there's probably, in the last 10 years, there's there's probably no time there's been fewer people on the mission field than right now because of what's going on. And all that's going through my mind is when this opens up, how are we going to get people out there? How are we going to flood people into this place? And I know there are people that are ready and they're waiting to go. You've talked to me about it and we'll see how the Lord raises you up and sends you out and we want to get rid of as many of you as we possibly can for the kingdom of God because it's too small of a thing that just we would believe. The Lord is worthy of many more believing and following him. So we evangelize. We want this to be a place where the gospels is preached. We've been praying that this would be a place what have we been calling? Lord, make this a salvation station. And actually, it's written right there under the carpet. When we had our, our prayer uh, uh, standing on the promises, I wonder if somebody did anybody sit where you wrote, just out of curiosity. I mean, yeah, you did. Okay, I figured some of you would try and sit where you wrote, and um, that's what we want: is this to be a place where people are getting saved in the home fellowships and the outreaches we do. So we will continue to make that a point of emphasis. And then we move on. We'll wrap it up here. Verses 61 through 63. He prays for God's people to obey the Lord. And I'm going to say this is him praying for them to be equipped. Verse 61 says, Let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as at this day. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord. 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. But his prayer is that they would be obedient, that they would follow the Lord. And this is our desire, is to equip. We seek to equip believers to obey the Lord, utilize their God-given gifts, and fulfill their part in strengthening the church. Man, we want to encounter God, we want to evangelize the world, but we want to be equipped when we come into this place. Ephesians 4, 11-16, write it down, look it up. But he gave to the church leaders, to equip them for the work of ministry, that they wouldn't be tossed to and fro anymore, but they'd be established in their faith. Our prayer is that this would be a place that as the Word of God goes out, that as we worship, as we minister to each other, that we would mature in our faith, that we would be people that obey the Lord, and we walk like Him, This isn't a, oh, you know, some kind of uh, legalistic trip when we start to talk about holiness. No, we want to be like Jesus. That's relationship. That's not legalism. Our lives should look like him. And I I just want to challenge you. Is that what's happening? Are you being equipped? Are you wanting to receive from the Lord? To hear him speak into your life and say, I don't like this. Or this is what I want to see. And then to make the changes. I don't know what it is in your life, but I know he speaks to you. I know that he ministers to you, that he's seeking to equip you. If we are not willing to be equipped, if we're not willing to come and obey the Lord, we really have to stop and ask, are we really wanting to encounter him? And do we really want to evangelize? I mean, if I don't care about the work of the gospel having its full impact on me, then why would I care about it having an impact upon anybody else? And so we've got to search our hearts. We have to see what it is the Lord wants. I want to close with this one idea, and it's just an idea, but I debated sharing this and not sharing it, but I, I, this is what's just been rolling around in my mind. I've shared it with the elders shared it with some of the staff. As we come to the conclusion of this, and we want to be a church that equips and sends people out to evangelize this world, to plant churches, to be missionaries, to go support those works. And so Vernon and myself were out, you know, one day for lunch, and we were talking and praying about missions, and, um, you know, just say, how are we going to, you know, begin to step out, stretch out further? And just, let me just share with you real quickly a plan, a prayer point. It's not even, it's not, a, it's an idea. I won't even call it a plan. It's an idea. It's a prayer point. You can pray with me. But this is, when I think about evangelizing this role and equipping the saints, here's the kind of thing that gets me so excited. So I have this idea. All right? Don't say it's being planned. It's an idea. But I'm excited about it. Is that we would start something, and just quickly I came up with the name, um, Calvary Chapel Launch, CCL. I just thought, well, that kind of works. Calvary Chapel Lynchburg, Calvary Chapel Launch. And then we would start essentially about a two-year program. One year would be people coming in here with the staff and with the elders and other people uh, teaching to train people um, through doctrine survey, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, how to prepare a Bible study, um, and, and other tracks of worship leading, and administration, and tech, and evangelism, and um, you know, youth ministry, and, and finding out where people are. Not people that just want to go grow in their walk with the Lord, but people that are ready to launch. It's like, I want to go. And that in that year, that this would become a place where we're equipping them, and we wouldn't charge a penny. That there would be no cost for it. I mean, there's going to be money spent, but that we wouldn't charge them. And then the second part of what I want to see happen, as as they train and are getting equipped and being raised up and serving here and getting that experience, is that we would have somebody that was leading this ministry that would go out throughout the world, beginning with our own church plants and our own missionaries and finding out exactly what they need. Who do you need do you need a, a tech person? Do you need an administration person? Do you need a, an evangelist? Do you, do you need a youth worker? Do you need somebody that can do a little bit of all of it? And to find that out and find out what's the, the, the character and the nature of that ministry, knowing who we have here. And then in that second year is that we would fully fund them to go. They wouldn't have to go raise a penny. I, I You know maybe other people have done this i 've never heard this, but I can tell you the biggest problem that happens, and people that go to get trained is they end up getting loaded down with debt and they can 't ever launch and and then the other problem is you have these that maybe have gone through it, and now you have some people that um you know, want to go out and you find places where they have need and there's small new works. And that's really where I want to send people is to the small works, to the new works, to those that have a legitimate need. But so often they can't afford it. They don't have any money. They're barely getting by. Maybe the pastor isn't even full time. And so my thought is why not start something new? Now, maybe it's been done before. I don't know. I've never heard of it, but that we would fully pay for that, for that time where they are being trained here, and then we would fully pay for that next year, wherever they are, so they can go out. That's an idea, and it's a prayer point, and, I, and we'll see what the Lord does it, but I just share that just so you can know that's what's in the heart of the leadership. That's what we want to do, and, and pray and ask the Lord, is this the next step for us to equip? Now, listen. Here's the reality. If that's going to happen, then that's going to to probably double or triple our mission's budget. But I believe that if we can build a place like this, that we can do that. And the Lord's leading and the Lord's strength. And I think it would be a ton of fun to see people get raised up here from within Calvary Chapel Lynchburg... Go into the launch program ministry and then go out. And you know, at the end of that year, then they can turn around and say, hey, I've been doing this work for the last year. And how much easier for them to then build the mission support that they need if we're not able to carry on. So this is the big prayer point I have going on. Number one, that we would come and we encounter God, that we would equip the saints for the work of ministry, and then we would send them out to evangelize as we are faithfully evangelizing right here. So this is our prayer. It sounded like a sermon, but that's the prayer. Amen. That, that's what we're asking the Lord to do in this place. I ask the worship team to come back up, and we're going to stand together, and those that are going to be praying, if you come and make your way up front, and let's call upon the Lord.